ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo went to Rucker Park. Now we eating from state to state. We scrape the plate. I put my eggs in a basket, took a leap of faith. I took a chance, now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests, now let's bring Matt. Welcome to the show, episode 166 of the Decoding Success Podcast. You are rocking with your host, Matt Labrie, on today's all-new episode, which we are so excited to deliver to you. Now, we are diving into an array of topics here with our amazing guest, to say the absolute least, who we're introducing in just a few minutes, by the way. We're diving into growing. We're diving into her definition of success. We're diving into when change actually takes place. We're diving into dealing with pain and not running from it. We're diving into business. We're diving into relationships and so much more. So if that aligns with what you're looking to hear today, we are super excited to have you rocking with us. And as always, I have to urge you to make sure you are sharing this with the people in your circle. If this message resonates with you, I guarantee you it is going to resonate with the people that are around you. So you now have the opportunity to be a beacon of light to them and share the good word here on this episode. Now, the good word on this episode is being delivered to you by this amazing individual that is joining us today. Her name is Ashley Hahn. Now, Ashley is a branding and marketing strategist, coach, best-selling author, podcast host, and mission-driven entrepreneur. Her mission is to help heart-centered entrepreneurs and personal brands optimize and amplify their online presence so they feel powerfully represented online, make more money, and create more impact. She helps ambitious women fully activate their confidence, sensuality, sexuality, and power of their being so that they can be fully expressed and on fire. Ashley first entered the online space in 2012 as marketing director for an ABC Shark Tank Mark Cuban company where she was a major assist in 500% company growth within the first year and landing it as the number one fastest growing private company in San Diego. That's something that Ashley and I have in common, which we actually discuss on this show right here, right now in regards to the Shark Tank. And on top of that, she went on to found Omni Media Marketing in 2015, now known as Ashley Han Branding and Consulting, an online marketing agency that helps brands amplify and monetize their web presence so they can make more money and more importantly, more impact. So now without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Ashley Hahn. Ashley, firstly, I would like to thank you for joining the show. Super excited to have you and to decode your success. So again, thank you for being here. Ah, Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Of course. Cool. So first question for you straight off the bat, this is how we kick off every episode. I'm curious, how do you personally define success? Wow. Getting right into it. I love it. How do I personally, okay. So how successful I am really depends on one question. How happy am I? Mm. Because I create my own happiness, right? I'm in charge of that. I create my own happiness. So when we ask ourselves if we're happy, the more happy we are, the more successful we are, at least for me, right? So that's for me. And For me, if I define what that means for me, like what makes me happy, what success means to me is growing. Mm. Because if I'm not growing, I'm dying. 
And I'm happy when I'm growing. So that means growing every year in my business, growing every year in my personal development and my emotional mastery, growing every year in my spirituality, growing every year in what I can give to my loved ones and those that I care about, and then giving every year through what I contribute back to this planet, you know, and the well-being of this planet through, you know, philanthropy, through my humanitarian efforts. So always growing. I love that. Now, what happens when you're not growing? What happens when Ashley kind of hits like maybe a road bump or a roadblock? What is she doing to kind of pivot to get back on track? Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, success is like a day by day thing too, right? So there's going to be some days where it just happened the other day where I was just having one of those days, right? Mm. I wouldn't define that as a successful day, right? Um, So, you know, what I've learned in those moments is the biggest one for me is to lean into support. I have two coaches, I'm a part of three masterminds. And what I used to do that did not work is I would go into my lone wolf. I would go and throw myself a pity party. You know, I would dwell and then something that, you know, one bad day could then turn into a bad week, a bad month. You know what I mean? So um, that for me is what I learned to do. And at first, you know, I was taught, I was raised growing up that asking for support meant that I was weak. Mm. So that was a huge, that was a new muscle. I really got to exercise over the years is like, no, asking for help means I'm strong. I'm courageous. I'm brave. Right. So what was it that actually helped you get into that mindset? Right. Because I mean, I've been there, whether it's personally in my business, whatever the case is, what was it that said, all right, Ashley, like go ask for help. Was it a certain situation or was it just like over the course of time, you were like, you know what, that's it. Like I'm going to get it. That's a great. So that's a good question with, with a great, like I have a point blank answer for that. And it is ALA, Ascension Leadership Academy, um, that was the catalyst for my whole transformation. And no, I don't, I don't get any kind of commission for saying that it's just the truth. Um, it was a transformational training that I did and it was very, very deep, intensive, confront, confrontational, interruptive work. And, Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, I was brought to my knees. I was, I would, I was crying. I was shaking. I was screaming like that whole process. It was four months long. Um, if I hadn't have done that, I would not be here today. That was the catalyst for everything that happened afterwards. Mm. Why do you feel like you, you wouldn't be here today? Like you couldn't have done it in a different way or like, um, because it was the catalyst for everything that followed. So what I mean is, is maybe I would be, I would be somewhere else, right? Like, I don't, right, I don't know that right. I would be here because a right. whole, my mission and even almost, well, not all, but almost all of the modalities I teach were, were birthed from what I learned and what I experienced and what I went through in ALA. And, mm. and sometimes when I say that people get kind of, you know, taken aback and kind of thrown off because, they're like, how can you put so much emphasis into this one training? And, and for other, for some people, maybe, you know, they went through it and they didn't have such a crazy experience as I did, but I, I did, you know, I I really did. And I was going down. Another reason why I say that is because I was going down a spiral, like dark, dark spiral just before I joined and and entered that container. And I could have easily, I would have kept going in that route, you know, hadn't, I had that interruption. Right. So, all right, let's connect the dots here. I guess who was Ashley in high school, right? Like we, we know who you are now. We're getting to know you better now. Mm-hmm. Who was Ashley in high school? What was she up to? Who was she hanging out with? What was her dream back then? How was she defining success back then, et cetera? Yeah, very different. 
Um, I was lost. I was very, um, I wasn't confident at all. I was super insecure. I was uh, teased and bullied throughout most of my youth. And I used to eat lunch in the girls' bathroom stall by myself to avoid the pain of rejection. You know, one day at the, it only took that one day in the cafeteria when the most popular girl in school was throwing French fries at me. Mm. You know, um, I would get prank phone calls to my house. Uh, I was teased a lot for my body. So I was really, really skinny. I wore kids clothes all through even high school. I think it was like that final year of high school. I started to be able to fit in double zeros from like PacSun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, uh, but um, yeah, I was teased a lot for my body and uh, I would get prank phone calls saying, Oh, just so you know, there's a McDonald's that just around the street from your house, maybe you should go there and eat a burger or maybe five, ha ha ha, you know? So I I would get teased a lot for that. I was put up on gossip blogs, even in college, I was put up on a gossip blog called the dirty.com. I don't know if you know about that. I've never heard um, of it. Yeah, it's a pretty big, pretty real. It's a really big gossip blog. So I got a lot of hits, hundreds of comments on that. I mean, so yeah, I went through the ringer and I was very, very, um, I was hard. on. I, I looked in the mirror and I hated what I saw. Like I would look in the mirror and I would just feel this utter disappointment. And I would look at other women, other girls, and I just wish I could be like them, like not even just look like them. Yes. Look like them, but also be like that. Right. Yeah. So how did you transfer out of comparing yourself then? Cause it seems like that's what it kind of was. I mean, obviously the bullying and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, probably added to the fuel of comparing. Cause you're like, why am I not like these people? Uh, but like, how did you get out of comparing yourself? Oh, that was the process. You know, it's still, I mean, I still catch myself from time to time getting into comparison. I think every, every woman, every man, you know, we, we, we slip into that trap every now and then, but it's knowing what to do when we find ourselves there. Right. Um, and you know, I wouldn't have even, I was, I was really in an unconscious place back then. So even if you told me I was comparing, I would have probably denied it. You know, I would have been like, no, I'm not, <laughs> you know, right, right, but, right. but now what I've, what I've come to realize is, um, I've really, I, I now deeply understand this truth about comparison. A, I'm aware of when I do it and what that looks like, feels like, et cetera. And B, I know what it does and comparison, envy, jealousy, right. They're rooted in resentment, right. We're resenting the other person for having what we want. Mm-hmm. Right. So how can we expect to attract or achieve the very thing that we resent someone else for having, right? It works against the law of attraction. It works against the law of manifestation. So when I really got that, like really got that, I started shifting to admiration, appreciation, and most importantly, inspiration. Like I'll look at someone like a woman who has what I want. And instead of going straight to envy and like, oh, like, woe is me. Why don't I have that? Like, oh, I hope that her business fails. I hope that, you know, and then you start wishing the worst. That's resentment, right? And then women, we do that. Like women, especially we're very, like we can get that way, right? That's why women are known to be catty, but that's why there's also this shift happening in the collective right now. Cause we're realizing that that a, it's painful. That does not feel good to be thinking those thoughts and feeling that way. And B, it accomplishes the exact opposite of what it is that deep down we truly desire, right? So now when I see some a woman having what I want someday, right, I'll look at her and I'll think, that means it's possible for me. Yes. 
Like she's proof that it's possible for me too. You know, exactly. I'm curious. I mean, for me personally, I see that comparison. And this is in my earlier 20s. I'm in my later 20s now. Personally, for me, comparison happened often more so with the people that were closer to me than anyone else. Did you experience that? Or so like for me, if I mean, I'm very grateful for all of my friends and then I would see my friends succeeding. I'd be like, fuck, like I'm comparing myself to them. And I'm like, you know, a little bit of jealousy pops up a little bit of envy pops up. Did you experience Mm -hmm. anything like that or? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I was funny. I was just talking to my, my girlfriend, Mel Wells, who's also amazing, powerful female on fire. I love her. She's on my podcast and I'm actually visiting her in Costa Rica next week. So we were talking about this because she had this, this issue with it where she, cause she's a, she's a, she's a bright woman. Like she shines. Right. And she would have these friendships over and over where she kept feeling like she needed to dull herself and like dull and like, like kind of like, you know, hold back because she didn't want to make the other woman uncomfortable because then the other woman would get jealous and competitive. Right. So it's interesting because what I love about Mel and I's friendship is we're actually opposite. I didn't feel that. I didn't feel the way that she felt. I was the, I was the one comparing and competing and getting jealous. That was me, right? So Mel and I are very, are very different that way, but it's cool to now be friends with her and to, to talk about that, right? From both sides, you know? And for me, it was like, I remember, oh yeah, my best friend for 10 years, Shannon, you know, I'll tell her right now, Shannon Malmborg. I hope she's listening. She, she was my best friend for 10 years. I found myself constantly because she's a super likable, magnetic woman. Like she always has been. She was like, everyone just loves Shannon. And I would just get jealous. I would find myself jealous when anyone would compliment her, when anyone would show her attention, when, when, you know, um, someone would become friends with her right? Where they would get close to her. And I'm like, no, she's mine. Like, like is her, is their friendship better than my friendship with her? Right. So, and it right. would drive me crazy. And it was also not good for the friendship, obviously, because she could feel that the whole time. So yeah, that's I 100% so relate with that. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So I saw something on your website and I don't want to misquote it. And it goes into everything that we were talking about um, from your, you know, your high school years and beyond. You had a quote that says, change happens when the pain of remaining the same outweighs the pain of change. I'm just yeah. going to ask why, because, and I'm, let me, let me go into it. Why a does bit. it have to be that way? <laughs> why, no, like seriously, why does it have to be that way? And I just personally experienced that in my own, in my own life. I know that a partner of mine just experienced that or is kind of still experiencing it. It's like, why do we have to wait for like the two by four to hit us before we create <laughs> these changes? Like, why do we have to get to rock bottom per se before that change happens? You know? Well, well, the cool thing is this rock bottom looks different for everyone. Right. right. But I, I truly believe this. I truly believe that our biggest breakthroughs come from our biggest breakdowns. Esther mm-hmm. Hicks writes about this in a different way. Right. She says, do you, do you know Esther Hicks? Yeah, work? definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Love her. So she writes about it. And I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this. But basically what she says is from the, the deepest darkness, our brightest light is born. Right. So we need the dark light could not exist without dark. Right. It just couldn't. How, right. how could light exist without darkness? Right? right. Light is what lights up the dark room. So um, I, I think, yes, it's it's part of something else. I say a lot is beauty of the contrast. Like we humans are human. 
we're human. And so we get to appreciate that. No one is perfect. No one's, you're never going to, no one's going to go 365 days with every day being a happy, bright, light day. Like, no, because that's not how it works. And we get to be grateful for those moments that are dark for those times in our lives that are dark for those times where we do hit quote unquote rock bottom and get excited because we what guess what's on the other side of that? I was my girlfriend. Actually, this is funny. She she called me. She's going through a breakup. Okay, she calls me. She's in the in the uh, in her bathtub taking a bath with the candles lit, and she is sobbing. I mean, she feels heartbroken. Like any ladies listening right now, and men, you know that feeling of heartbreak, right? Like it it's sucks. Tough. Yeah, it it's sucks. The, oh, the matters of the heart. It always stings the most, right? And she's in so much pain, and I just. <laughs> just go, babe, I'm so happy for you right now. <laughs> she goes, she stops crying. She goes, huh? <laughs> I said, because like, you're feeling really low. Right. And she's like, well, yeah, like, well, you're feeling really bad right now. Like really dark. Right. Yeah. Do you know what's on the other side of this? Like right. you're going to meet the most incredible man. Like you're going to be in the most amazing relationship. That's like 10 times better than him. Like do you see that? And she does the work. She's in the work like me. So she literally goes, oh my God, I just got chills. You're right. You're totally completely right. And I'm like, yeah, girl. So feel all those dark feelings and move right on along. Get excited. Cause I'm excited for you. <laughs> so on the topic of relationships though, it's not easy to believe that. Like in that moment, how do you believe that? Like, of course. Okay, cool. From my personal experience, I'll believe it for a day and then I'll go right back to that yeah. dark place. Yeah. So like, how do you stay consistent with keeping that belief after a heartbreak? <laughs> yeah. So it's a muscle that you build, mm. right? So it's not going to, you're not going to get over someone overnight and you're not going to get over someone over two nights, three nights, four, like it takes time. Like, especially like matters of the heart, like it's healing. Like it's, it, right. there, there needs to be a healing process. Now, the biggest thing when it comes to heartbreak and I've experienced heartbreak time and time again in my own life um, is don't resist because what we resist persists and actually mm. festers and grows. And, and that's the mistake people will make, right? They'll numb out, they'll push, they'll avoid, they'll resist. And that's because people are, they don't want to feel that pain, right? right they, they don't want to cry in a bath. They don't want to cry in a bathtub. They don't, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But like, sometimes you need to cry in a bathtub and like, it, think of it as like taking out the trash. Like you got to just take out the trash. You got to purge. Sometimes you got to let it out. Not now. I want to be clear. There's a fine line between purging and re-energizing the victim story. Mm. Right. Because saying like, how could he, he did this to me. How dare, how dare she, she did this, you know, whatever that's victim. And you keep going in victim. That's, that's going to completely take away your power. Right. Because when we say that when we allow ourselves to become responsible, we're saying we're powerful. We're more powerful than this situation, circumstance or person. Right. They don't have power over us. So I want to be clear that and this this gets a lot of the times misunderstood is when I say let it out, purge it out. That doesn't mean being victim and keep being in victim and don't get out of bed and keep thinking the thoughts that that are keeping you stuck and feeling miserable. You, right. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a, there's a difference. Yeah. 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 So obviously I'm a man, I date women. And what I notice personally is that some women that 
go through heartbreak will start taking on like super masculine energy like yeah like picking up overtime at work and like Mm -hmm. going for all those financial goals and listen it's not to say women can't do that but that's a masculine thing you know um what's your advice there because being on the flip side of it and seeing it like i want to help these women but at the same time i mean i can get like super personal here but it's just like i want to help but it's really hard to like hearing it from a man you know well it's so that's a form of resistance what you just said yeah that's a form of resistance absolutely that's that's their way of avoiding the pain right um so remember when I said earlier that I was like, oh, when I ask for and receive help, it means I'm weak. Remember when I said that? Right, yeah, it was 100%. like a belief I had. So that's the unhealthy pattern and shadow pattern that women can fall into, right? And men, men can fall into this too. So that is her, the best way that this woman knows how to deal with that pain. And yes, it's unhealthy right? It doesn't work because like I just said, what we resist persists. In other words, eventually they're going to have to deal with that, right? They're going to have to deal with it. And, and, and the thing that breaks my heart is if they don't deal with it on their own, they're going to have to deal with it by experiencing another heartbreak again, because it's a feedback loop, right? So that's how, that's why, that's why women or men will end up in the same toxic relationships, same situation, new person, same toxic relationship, new person, same experience, new job, right? Whatever. But it's because we haven't taken that time to go inward and really, really get responsible for how I ended up here. You know what I'm saying? Because if we don't get responsible, we just stay in victim and we'll keep perpetuating the same victim story over and over again in new ways. It all goes back to that quote you had on your website. It literally all goes back to that. It's so crazy. All right. So you are now in a new relationship. I mean, for some time now, like, how did you know this new relationship was the one? Like, (laughs) so at first I didn't, he knew before I knew, um, I was actually, I felt the, it was funny. We've been asked to share our love story because it's a very powerful one. I'm not going to share the whole thing here because it is, it is a long one. It's a beautiful one. Very, very, um, it's has spiritual components to it, which is, is very, very beautiful. But I did not know until um, probably about halfway through um, the relationship. And uh, I was in, see, my personality pattern, I'm an analyzer. Okay. So I'm a, I'm not only an analyzer, (laughs) I'm an analyzing controller. Now for any, I don't know if you know the personality matrix, but that's the, that's what I'm referring to. The personality matrix has controller, promoter, analyzer, and supporter. Those are the four quadrants. Well, I am, um, my tendency is to be uh, an analyzing controller, which means that my practice is surrender. My practice is letting go. My practice is trusting. My practice is trusting the process, right? And um, the truth is that Gerard reminded me a lot of my ex when I met him. You know, this influencer, cat cameras following him around, and I'm thinking, eh, eh, <laughs> you know, not doing that again. You know what I mean? Right. But the thing is, it's like, um, you know, it, it was a cool thing for me to he was so persistent because if he wasn't so persistent, you know, I would have probably left, you know, moved along, but he was very persistent. He was a man who knew what he wanted. And of course that's very attractive to a woman and it makes you want to say, okay, what's, what's possible. What's here for me. 
And um, I fell madly in love with Gerard. You know, I fell in love with him when he really started shedding his own armor, right? When he started really letting me see all those goofy, vulnerable parts of him that y'all don't see, you know, but I get to see that. You know, right. And and so interesting. The other thing, too, is I've never, ever, 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 ever felt more seen by a man like Hmm. he he believes in me and sees me like sees me and all of my possibility. Right. And, And I've had men that were in the past intimidated by that and actually didn't like that. They were like, like, can you just stay at home? And I'm like, right. no, I, I love what I do. Now, what's interesting to me is that you say women like a man that knows exactly what he wants. And you also said it was super attractive that once you saw that vulnerable side, like it just went off to the next level. Mm-hmm. I've experienced that scaring women, like to the point where like it literally scared them like holy shit like this this guy knows exactly where he wants to go exactly where he wants us to be etc etc and like the woman's there like a fucking deer in headlights want me to tell you why please i'm still trying to figure it out because she has no idea you met a woman that's not ready for you at where you're at yet right right she 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 has no idea what she wants so it scares her to be with someone who knows what they want Mm. that used to scare me Oh yeah. Are you kidding? That used to scare. I was that girl who wanted the man who didn't know what the F he wanted and would, would freaking dangle me around like a freaking and use like a used tissue. You know, I'd be like, okay, well you're good for today. And then tomorrow I'm going to go hang out with that chick. I was that girl. And some of my girlfriends are still going through that right now. And I'm just blessing them from afar and supporting them because that's all I can do. Right. Um, but um, they got to figure it out on their own. They got to hit their own rock bottom or whatever. Right. Right. But I was that woman. Like I was dating these quote unquote, you know, playboys, punks who, who were not going to settle down. But at the time I didn't even, I didn't know what I wanted. You know, mm. I wasn't whole. So that's why, and it's funny that I love that you asked that question. Cause I've literally had this conversation with my girlfriends and I'm like, listen, I pray for the day. When a because they'll tell me about like a man, they'll vent to me. Oh, he did this, and he said he was going to, and he didn't, and and then he, I found out he was with another girl, and 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 I and I I would say I pray for the day, and I'm so excited for the day when that repulses you, when that turns you off, and you immediately lose interest. This guy has nothing because what happens is, is those those girls they continue to obsess over that guy. You see what I'm saying? They're, they're, they're in it for the push pull because they're push pulling within themselves. They're not, they're not, they haven't merged within. So then they, they don't know how to merge with somebody else at all. You know, they can't right. connect with somebody else truly if they haven't connected with themselves. So that's just where they're at in their journey. So what would your advice be to the man? Like, you know, you were, you were just mentioning the, the female side of it. What would your advice be to the man experiencing that? Well, um, pursue until your boundaries have been crossed, right? Yeah. Because all of us get to have, because I, I believe in this. I believe men are chasers. They're hunters, right? That you, You're born and bred for this, right? And, and you love it. You do. It, it, it like, you know, you, you love, that's what you're, you're, you're hunters, you're chasers. You do, right. you love it. So chase and hunt and pursue until you know, and you'll know, right? You, you, you identify your boundaries, you identify your values. When it's crossed, a value is 
broken, a boundary is crossed, that's when it's time to go. Mm. But sometimes it does. It takes, it can, it can work. I've seen it work. And where, where a man is persistent or, or pursues a woman, and then they end up having a beautiful relationship together and, and, you know, co-creating something that is healthy. So, so yeah, I, that, that, that would be my answer. Pursue until your boundary has been broken. I love that. I wasn't expecting to go down this, this whole route here, me but either. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I'm curious. I know you do these often. What is a question you wish more people would ask you? Um, on the podcast? Yeah, just in general. Maybe not even you know, just on a podcast. Oh, uh, in general? Uh, yeah, in like general, in life I would or say, whatever. Yeah, in general, I would say um, instead of why can't I X, Y, Z, I'd love to hear them say how can I X, Y, Z. I love shifting those, seeing those kinds of conversations shift. Um, yeah. I also love when I hear, and we talked about this in the beginning of the episode, can, how can I get support with X. I love when I see people that are out seeking support and it's probably because it, it, I just like humanity, humans, we are born and bred for connection. We're born, we're actually born to support each other. And, and, and we, we isolate ourselves and it's painful. So, um, that, that I would love to hear more of how can I get support with X, whatever it is that they're struggling with. Yeah. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Uh, something just popped in my head and it's interesting because this is even bigger than relationships just in general. Like how did you get clear on what you wanted, right? Just in life. Like it doesn't have to necessarily be in the relationship that just popped back in the head. And I'm curious because it's, you know, it's good for direction. Yeah. So I did a lot. ALA, like I said, I'll say it again, was the catalyst for me figuring that out. Um, that's not to say that at the end of ALA, I knew what I wanted. Honestly, I didn't. But I was, I now knew how, like, I knew that I was on that path to figuring it out and I ended up figuring it out. Now, you'll go through experiences in your life. Um, for example, if we talk about dating, because we've been talking about that, where you'll date someone and they're a window for you into like, in terms of like what you love about them, they're a window for you. Like they, you can see what's possible and like, oh, oh, they, they treat me with respect and they treat me like a queen. Wow, that's possible. But maybe there's something else missing. I dated a guy like this. Like he treated me really well, but we were the chemistry, the the playfulness, it, was, it wasn't there. And it hurt me to say goodbye to him because he was so great, but I just got to follow my heart and he was a window for me, right? Of, of things that I loved and that I believed was possible. Um, and then you also obviously find out things that you don't like, that don't work for you, that may work for somebody else, but that don't work for you. So you get, what I'm trying to say here is you get a lot of it from the experiences. And when you stop making yourself wrong for the things that you actually want. Mm -hmm. Okay. We have a lot of societal pressure and not only societal pressure, but pressure from our parents, pressure from our friends, like what they think, what they're, what's right, what's wrong for them, that we will lose touch with what we want. Now, let me give you an example. This, I held shame around for so long. No wonder I kept finding myself in situations where this was like a big, you know, tension point is I grew up in a household where my dad was the sole provider. Okay. And he was, he's always been a gentleman. He takes care of, he takes care, he takes care of me. He takes care of everyone. He was, he was that man. Right. And when I would go out and I wanted to be, 
taken care of. Like, yes, I'm a boss woman in my business and I'm, am I know how to ask, you know, be my masculine in my business and run the show. But when I'm with my man, like I want to sit back and I want to be in my feminine. And yes, I know I can afford it. And yes, I know I got me, but I want him to got me. Like I want to feel got by him. Right. right. But I would, for the longest time, I can't even tell you, I would feel bad for wanting that. Like, because, you know, today it's, it's, it's a lot of 50, 50 happening because you're seeing, you know, you're seeing women step up and, and then men step down a little bit and you're seeing all these men, you're seeing stay at home dads and you're seeing full time, you're seeing all over the spectrum. So then there's this thing going on your feminist movement, you know, you know, I don't need any, but I don't need a man. I don't need a man. Right. So I was feeling like I should pay for this meal. I should pay half. I should did that. Right. But really in the, in the back, like at, on dates, I'd like, no, I want, I want to feel like I'm in the receiving. Right. And mm. for some women, by the way, that's, I want to be clear. That was me. That's what I want. Right. That's what I wanted. That's what I want for. So I have friends that actually don't want that. Like they actually like to be the one that pay and, and they will find their match once they accept that about themselves. So what I'm getting at here is when you identify and accept what it is you truly want, right? Not, not shame ourselves or make them wrong. That's when we're going to find it. That's when that person's going to show up when we're operating from full acceptance of our desires, full acceptance of our vision and what we want. Right. That's beautiful. And you mentioned something that really piques my interest. How do you find yourself balancing the masculine and the feminine? Like yeah. there's no on and off switch, you know? So it's just like, it, it takes work. I'm just curious how you find yourself doing it. Yeah. So I used to sway, which I'm sure you could have guessed this a lot in the masculine. Um, a lot, a lot. Actually, one of my exes said to me, God, you're always in your masculine. And at the time I was like, what does that even mean? Like, what do you mean? I'm a woman. Like I, I didn't get it. You know, I didn't understand like what he meant by that. Um, and it's true. And it, I was, I was so disconnected from those feminine parts of me. And I had to learn that on my own, you know, and a lot of it, I had to learn the hard way. And now what I've noticed is, is we all, yes, we all have feminine and masculine in us that exists. That polarity exists in all of us. And the feminine has light, a light and healthy side, and it has a shadow dark side. The masculine has a light in a shadow dark. They both sides have these also polarities within them. Right. Mm. And so you start to learn the ways of being in each, for example, receiving is very feminine, right? Being in the, uh, receiving is feminine. Okay. Um, and so when you're able to identify these, these feelings and these ways of being that are in each one, you're able to identify what's healthy, what's not, because how do you identify what's healthy and what's not? Simply by asking, does it work? Does it not work? Right? right? When I'm working right now and I'm on my computer and I'm leading my team, I am decisive. I am uh, very direct. I am in my, I'm commanding, right? I am, I'm, I'm in that kind of, I don't want to say aggressive, but decisive. That's very masculine. Okay. But it's what's needed of me to, I need to make decisions to run a business. I need to be doing those things. Right. But then also I've been able to merge something that's very masculine, which is structure agenda. All those things are very masculine into flow. 
I was cut off from flow. I was cut off from intuition. I wasn't letting my intuition make any decisions in business. No. So I've learned how to like go between these two and actually float between where do I, cause if I don't know the answer logically, logic brain, all that logic, that's very masculine, then I'll tap into my feminine. I'll, I'll go sit and I'll meditate. I'll sit in receiving mode. Like what, what is here for me right now? What am I, I'll tap into my heart into my gut, our sacral chakra for women, very like answers. Like you tune in, tap in. So when it comes to leading business, there are beautiful ways that you can lead it in your feminine. And a lot of people think that when you lead your business, it's only masculine. Yes, it definitely sways a lot towards the masculine, but there are beautiful ways that you integrate your feminine. And, and that you listen to your feminine, your intuition. And really quick, it's funny that you are asking this. I just had this conversation with my aunt last, well, it's actually Gerard's aunt, but I call her my aunt because I'm super close with her, um, yesterday in the car. And I said, it's really interesting because normally like on client calls and they, in, in communication, I'm very feminine in the way that I communicate. Like I'm like, oh, I'm emoji hearts and little you know, explanation points. And I'm very feminine and like floaty, right? With the way I communicate for the most part. Well, I had this client who I, I had this, uh, we were going back and forth on a deal and he was, he's real estate. Now, as you can assume, they're natural bred negotiators, right? So I right. set a price and he wanted to keep going back and forth and negotiate. So what did I do? All right, time to ignite my healthy masculine. Feminine ain't going to work with this guy. It's not, right? What works, what doesn't work. Feminine wasn't working. Shifted to my masculine. No explanation points, periods, straight to the point. Decisive. This is, it is what it is. This is, if you want to work with me, this is the difference between getting coffee at McDonald's or coffee at Starbucks. Which one do you want? You know, I literally was just, I I ignited that side of me, right? So that's an example of how these, these, it's about floating and flexing, flexing into the one that will best serve you and what it is that you're looking to accomplish and create. I'm curious, are exclamation points feminine? (laughs) So they're very, it's, think about it this, they're like inflections, right? Inflections and, and emphasis, right? Which, which can be a very feminine thing. Like we get excited and we're like, Ooh, and this thing, and, this, and, this. Right. and, and like, literally I, I, I had my, my, um, it was funny because my, my book editor, she, she, she was editing my book and she goes, damn it, Ashley, you use explanation points in every sentence. I've had to delete like 80 questions, 80 explanation points. I'm not even like uh, two pages in. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. All right. So I'm curious, like, how did you end up getting into business? You know, like, was that your dream since high school or before then? Like, I'm curious, like, how did that come about? Oh, yeah. I've, I mean, I was super studious in school. I was a 4.0 student. I was best friends with all the teachers and part of every, you know, association and club like that. That was right. me. Um, and I and I had big goals. My my dad is is definitely the um the leader or the example that was set. Uh, he's an entrepreneur, always has been in terms of his spirit. Right now he works for a corporate company, but he started his own company at age, you know, 27, 29, something like that. And uh, he had instilled in me so much of the entrepreneur, quote unquote, mindset at a young age. So I always knew that I was going to do something big. I, I didn't obviously know what it was at first. At first I thought I was going to be in finance. Nope. Hate math. 
No, <laughs> definitely no. And then I fell in love with a marketing class I took in, um, in college. And I was actually also going to do psychology. That was like a big thing that was calling me. And then when I, when I, I didn't even really know about marketing. And then when I took my first marketing class with Ed Love in at Western Washington university, I was like, wait a minute, marketing is like the psychology of business. I was like, this is like made for me. Cause I couldn't decide if it was going to be business administration, right. Which was right. the one part of the college, or if I was going to go the psychology route. And when I took that class, I was like, boom, this is it. And then, um, so I double majored cause I was already halfway through my finance major at that point. And, um, and then I, I got my first job at a shark tank, Mark Cuban company, uh, that was pivotal for me. That was laid the foundation for so much of of where I'm at today in, in business. So that was how I got started. We have that in common. I actually worked for a shark as well, directly out of college. So I worked with Damon Me for too. three years. Huh? Yeah, Damon. Uh, no way. Yeah, yeah. That was my first job out of college. What was the company? It was his company called The Shark Group. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was a cool opportunity. Cool. We have that in common, but I'm curious to learn, like if you could, and obviously your business, I've read about it. It's doing phenomenal. Like congrats on that. What has been like your most monumental takeaway? Like if you were to give someone starting out today, a piece of advice, or maybe not even just starting out, maybe someone that is experienced, like, what do you feel like is your biggest takeaway being in business? Oh, that's interesting. Um, well, I automatically want to go straight to like, how we operate and how we think, AKA mindset. Um, because I operated for a long time with, uh, through scarcity. Uh, and that was something that was ingrained and trained in me by my mother. Mm. Uh, but it was really, really detrimental to me taking quantum leaps in my life because I was really boxing myself in. And so, scarcity shifting from scarcity to abundance was one of the biggest things that I did for myself. Like I used to cry over $4 lattes. Like, why did I just buy myself? Like I literally (laughs) was at that place. And of course, everything in my life was reflective of that mindset and those beliefs that I had. Um, so that's the first thing. And the second thing that came to me was, um, trusting intuition and taking those leaps of faith. Now men ignite that feminine part of you, which is the intuition you can women tend to have a very innate, natural, strong, strong intuition that a lot of us have cut off from ourselves. But that for me, like when I had those inklings to leave a job, to take an opportunity to, you know, prove a business case, right. That I wanted, like, I wanted to take a department somewhere and I had to present it. And that was scary. Right. Um, those took, leaps of faith and trust in myself and my intuition. And I would, I remember I'd have to call my dad and be like, I mean, they're going to do something really stupid or like really awesome. Like what do I do? You know, (laughs) because I would get those urges and they were really scary. Um, but that for me, when it comes to, you know, without getting too strategic and like super, um, like, like in like nitty gritty, Overall, those are my two biggest things that I believe have gotten me to where I am today in terms of business success. Right. I love that. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ashley, I know that you have to run soon. I have three questions I always ask on the way out of these interviews. Um, The first one is, what is a piece of advice you didn't want to hear at the time it was given to you, but proved to be true over time? Okay. The one that popped up for me first is, 
it was something along the lines of own your brilliance, step out into the spotlight, quit hiding. Women need you to lead them. And Why the didn't person you who told me that? that, the person who told me that was Gary Vaynerchuk at okay. Starbucks in Seattle. I'll never forget that moment. He just, he just looked me dead in the eye and put his finger in my face. And I was like, all right. I went, ran to my hotel room and I cried for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I was hiding. That's when I was hiding behind uh, Omni marketing. I nobody knew at all what I did because I would hide it. My even my close friends thought I was a personal uh, trainer. They had right. no idea I was running a, a business. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so what do you feel like has been the most monumental piece of advice you've received? And the reason I ask that, I know it's kind of cliche, but like for me personally, there has been like two instances where I've gotten a piece of it, maybe even three where I've gotten a piece of advice and it was just like a total shift. So it's always good to like bring about these different perspectives. So I'm curious, like, is there multiple or, um, you know, just one piece of advice that was like transformational to you? Um, so that one from, from Gary V was definitely, um, and then the other one I would say is, um, I would, I would have to say, you know, that one's, I'm trying to think I, that one I would say was the biggest piece of advice in like recent years. Maybe, you know what? There is one thing. My dad, my dad would always say, um, (laughs) I would always ask him for the answer. And he did this since I was in school and I would just still ask him anyway. Like I thought he was going to say something else, but he would always say, you know, the answer mm. you always do. Right. So do that thing. Call me when you do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's true. It's like, he, he was like, he go, we, he, we laugh at this at the dinner table sometimes. It's like, you know, actually you would come to me and you would ask these complex questions that honest to God, I had no idea what the answer was but I always gave you the best answer. Do you remember what I said? (laughs) You know the answer. (laughs) Right. That's so powerful. Shout out to dad. That's huge. That's actually really huge. So, all right. Last question for you. And I know this is kind of tough. I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but like if you could only give one piece of advice the rest of your life, meaning if Ashley was hopping on stages, podcasts, writing more books, it could only be about one thing. What would it be? Own your choices own your choices and take that intuitive leap of faith because you've got this. And when you feel like you don't got this, trust that God's got this. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Listen, I've had a blast talking to you. Thank you for hopping on here. I'm going to put all your social links and whatnot in the show notes of the episode website, all the good stuff. Do you have anything going on that we need to be making people aware of in the process? I got my female on fire, which is my female, all female container. It's where I support women in unlocking, igniting and unleashing their fullest self-expression and really, truly knowing that they can have it all. And it just starts with them. So we go deep in that container and we go deep, deep, deep so that they can rise up. And uh, that's what I'm that's what I'm up to right now. It actually kicks off this weekend. And uh, the collective keep kicks off in uh, March. That's so awesome. I love that. I'm going to make sure that I have that in the show notes as well. And um, yeah, that's been, it's been amazing. Thank you again for hopping on here, Ashley. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. Of course.
And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, episode 166 of the Decoding Success podcast featuring our friend Ashley Hahn. You could check out all of her socials, her website, which has her programs in the show notes of this episode, making it super easy for you to do. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I urge you to make sure you're sharing this with the people that are in your circle. There are people that will resonate with this as much as you have resonated with this. And I know you have since you've got this far into the episode. And lastly, I want to give a huge shout out to you for committing to the growth, seeking the growth, seeking the expertise, the knowledge, the wisdom, the insights, the experience from individuals. And I also want to express my gratitude to you for doing it here at Decoding Success. Until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.